Welcome to the Artform Podcast. I'm your host, Artform Tim. On this episode, we have Richard Mulder from the legendary Chocolate Skateboards crew. Richard was part of the 90s era of ledge skating, basically an early pioneer skating at Chafee High School, showing us how to pop our tricks and do it with style and grace and power. Richard was also part of the Nike SB, the early, early days. Uh, Helped bring in a whole new era with Nike SB and that whole crew. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Richard, talking about skateboarding and some throwbacks and uh, what he's up to now and faith and just kind of where life's taking us all. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Richard Mulder, thank you for joining the R-Form podcast. Stoked to have you. You're a champ. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Good to be here. Hey, man. Stoked to have you. So um, just to preface this before we get into it, this podcast is we mainly just focus on the art side of skateboarding and the culture and less about the very nuanced elements of skateboarding itself. Um, For those in our audience listening, Richard has an amazing interview over at the Nine Club. Shout out to the Nine Club. If you want to know all about Richard's background, go check out the interview with the Nine Club and definitely go watch any and every chocolate video that you can get your hand on. Richard, thanks for being here. So we were just trying to figure out how we, we were just trying to figure out how we know each other. <laughs> yeah, we were. I think I just used to see you skating all the time in LA. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I used to come out to Chafee. Okay. Um, but not much, you know, I used to come out to Chafee like a few times a year but there was this one actually it's funny as I have this story um I used to skate with this guy who was a DJ Jay Boogie Jason Everhart and he had the car you know everyone has a car and this is the guy with the car we were like 14 he was like 16 so he used to drive out to Chafee and we were coming from like La Puente area Whittier like this where like a lot of my crew was from so we would come out and uh I remember he would talk to you and I remember looking at him talk to you and be like dude you're not supposed to talk to like people that are sponsored funny (laughs) such a little kid thing to do right it's even funnier than that i remember he had asked you for a set of wheels and you gave him a set of wheels and i was like shocked i was like dude that who knows man i mean 94 you know what i mean 95 like somewhere in that ballpark that's funny yeah that's cool that's dope that's real dope yeah Yeah, it's funny because like one of the things I actually wanted to, to talk about and kind of dig in on, on this podcast with you, because I like to focus on the stylistic elements of, of the culture in, in skateboarding is pop. So I remember like the first time that I went to Chafee, it was actually when I was learning how to Ollie no slide. Okay. Because for, for years, I mean, this is probably like early 90s, 91, 90, somewhere in there. We were doing slappy no slides, right? Because because the nose had come out right? Because we're coming out of one tails and then fish tails and then everybody was slapping into their no slide. And then someone kind of like reprimanded me. And they were like, dude, you have to ollie into your no slides. And like, we're going to Chafee this week and you have to learn how to ollie into no slides. And I went there and I saw people ollieing into no slides. I was like, oh my gosh, I can never slap you into a no slide again. <laughs> I don't know if you remember like when that transition happened, when people started to like pop their tricks. I think the whole slappy thing was when things were lower right yeah. um mm-hmm. you know because you remember when the no slide nose grinds came out like yeah, no like grinds and then we would you would learn them on a curb right so you just slap just just slap that nose into it 
I think, um, you know, it's funny. People talk about pop, but for me, I think it was just the thing had to be skated and it, 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 the height we, I meant we never thought about pop when we were having pop. Does that make sense? It was just like, this is the obstacle and this is what yeah. we had to do to get on. It wasn't like, Oh, pop up. It's just like, right. it was what it was. What year did you start skateboarding? I started skateboarding in like October 87. Oh, like, wow. Right before okay. my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. What was the first board? Uh, sure. Grip international, Steve Stedham. Oh, Steve Stedham, that's great. That's classic. Yeah. So, so around the time that the, um, I had a, a Ray Barbie fishtail. You, oh, wow. Where were you when, when you noticed that like the tricks were starting to definitely evolve like into the two tails? Like where, where were you skating during that period of time? So I think, let me see. I think tricks started to evolve right in between, like for me at least, like right early, like late 89. Mm-hmm. early 1990 right because yeah, i remember having the the valeli right in like in early 1990 i heard had the, the world industry valeli board yeah classic had the Powell one too but even like the even prior to that like even having the matt hensley a street board that's 89 like they didn't really have like a nose to no slide right mm-hmm. like right i think no slides came out I, blind video right like i just mm-hmm. feel like blind video uh you know mark gonzalez guy doing no slides on handrails right right yeah yeah remember remember when like the independent trucks had the the bolts all the way at the front and they would grind off and then they had to move the bolts back on the trucks yeah, the trucks came with that was kind of like that era yeah yeah I think though, yeah, the no slides, let me think. Yeah, I think right around late 89. No, and then Mark Gonzalez, he also had that vision board. Remember with mm-hmm. the happy face and was like, it was like, it was a happy face, but it had three different faces on it. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Um, that one had like a nose. I think now that I think about it. Yeah, I think Mark Gonzalez had a real like impact on like switch skating and, and even nollies and, and, and all that stuff. And even with his shape, I can't think of another skater who had a shape that was as innovative. Yeah, I, I remember that there was definitely an era, kind of like everything that we're talking about here, where there was, it was like plan B was happening, questionable video. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that went down in, in Hocus Pocus and, and those videos, but like really when the time questionable video came and the Embarcadero skating was happening, I remember seeing like Mike Carroll do very technical tricks on ledges. And we were still kind of coming out of like the curb era. Like I was big on New Deal. New Deal is like super big on like the whole New Deal vibe. And I think that it was, was, nine, that the... was 90, 1990, I think. Yeah. And Sky Pager, Underworld Element, Pepe Martinez, all yeah. like that was my jam. You know, but those guys were skating a lot of curbs. There wasn't, I mean, they skated Pulaski, uh, Pulaski Park, right? Um, there was a lot of stuff going down on some ledges, but they would still skate like the, the small curbs. And I remember like there was definitely like a definitive moment when I started seeing people like get onto the ledges and starting to like develop this thing called that we called pop in our world. And it was, it kind of became like this era of like, okay, who can jump on like the biggest ledge, who can pop the trick the highest. And honestly, like for me, like seeing you in the early four one ones, I was like, Oh, this kid's like, got it. This kid's got like this pop thing down. Like that you're like one of the early people that I noticed that actually had that thing going on with them. Yeah, that was 94, those four-on-ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. How long ago that was. 
And you like frontside half cap hill flip the the block at Chafee and like four one five the opener. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And, and I thought it was nollie for so long, and then when I realized it was frontside half cap, I was like, dude, that's even crazier. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. I, I always yeah. thought the frontside half cap. I can't do it no more, but I always thought that trick was harder than a nollie. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It will. And and like the whole chocolate era with like Gabriel and Paulo. I mean, Paulo was like you know, that was skate God around our parts. I mean, people looked up to Paulo, like this is the guy, you know, and yeah, to see him in like those early chocolate videos and then you and Gabriel and this guy's, it was, it kind of like cemented for us. Like, this is how you skate. You know, you, you take your tricks up a notch, you pop them, you land them clean, right. You, you kind of like add a lot of style to the whole thing if you got it. Right. So I was always curious if that was like a cognizant thing or if you guys are just out there skating, doing your thing. And it just kind of like naturally happened and unfolded that way. Yeah. I think style, I never think about style, right? Like even people say, Oh, you have the Richard Mulder style with the fists. And I don't try to think, I don't think style when I skate. Yeah, of course. I think like yeah. you try to land a trick. Right. Um, but yeah, I think obviously clearly style plays a big part in people skating, right? Like you could, you could tell, who the person is by their style. 100% Jason Lee. It's like fingerprints, right? You just kind of mm. get what you get. Yeah. Um, like I, I don't understand when someone says I have to work on my style, That that's, that doesn't register, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's odd. That's like, a, that's an odd concept. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So like when you were kind of getting into the groove over at Chafee and like, who were some like the early guys that you would see, come through that you're like okay this guy's got it going on like this this dude right here has got something that like is easily identifiable and it's going to kind of change the game because you know in in those days like we saw progression every single day yeah so i remember i mean early 90s let's just say 91 92 before before even new world order like 93 right i remember seeing like obviously guys roll through Chafee. I remember seeing yeah. Templeton roll through Chafee. He was already established pro like 91, 92, right? We all looked up to him in New Deal. Mm-hmm. He would just, he would go like a thousand miles an hour and nose wouldn't slide a ledge. And we were just all kind of tripping on him, skating like a grown man, right? We're all Groms. Yeah. Um, but in terms of Groms who came through Chafee that were like, like, oh, that dude's going to be the, the next, the next, next, right? I remember Jerron, Ethan Fowler, and Weston Korea came. Oh, Weston. Shout out Weston. Weston was always so tight. Yeah, it's super tight. They all came because they all grew up skating in, like, the Van Nuys the Valley, Valley area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They rolled through Chafee, and I was, like, I was tripping on these guys. I'd never seen them skate before, and I was, like, you know, they were just killing it, killing yeah. it. Um you know, they were, I think it was around that time people would do like the back foot kick flips, back foot heel flips. Yeah. Um, Ethan just was insane. Um, and then also Ronnie Bertino. I remember seeing Ronnie Bertino at uh, Pioneer. And he's yeah. actually probably one of my favorite skaters. If you would like say, who's your top five skaters of all time? Ronnie Bertino on top five, huh? I think so. It's I love just, it. I, I love, I thought, I thought like even before he got on blind when he was on Think. He was just, I thought he was so ill, like super yeah. ill style, super ill skater. Yeah. And you know, what's funny yeah. about Bertino is he always had like those small parts. Yeah. But when and it was always like a little treat. Yeah. Yeah. I always trip. 
he's on my top five because I remember always live skating with him, tripping on him. Like, this dude's dope. You know, I don't know why, but I always put him in like an Adam McNatt category. Where you're like, dude, these oh. are like the illest dudes, but no one ever talks about them. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. But I think Ronnie's... I could see how he could be an addict. Man. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I Maybe in the, in, just in that in that era, not how things transcended later, but in that era of like they were always on something new and they didn't get a whole lot of coverage. Right. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. And then, and then you remember Ronnie's part in uh, that blind set oh, yeah. plan it's B. Classic. Switch yeah. back side 360. Switch back three at Lockwood. Yeah. That line is like probably one of the best lines of that whole. He does play. like a frontside flip, right? Yeah, he did it. Um, nolly backside flip, mm-hmm. right? Nolly backside flip into the hips, switch back to an eighty frontside flip, then switch three sixty yeah. back yeah. three sixty. What's funny is that I could still see the jeans that he's wearing. Yeah, and like that. Back in style now. Back in style. I know. <laughs> my, my one of my friends had like the palace. The palace made some like throwback blind jeans just recently i tell you man yeah i tell you i'd be lying if i say we didn't make some yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's tight so um let's talk about lockwood a little bit so you used to go out to lockwood yeah first time i think i got first time i skated lockwood was like 92 yeah 92 before it was like like right when it was about to start being on the radar i mean i remember like Joey Surreal. I don't know if you remember that old SMA videos. Like he, he has like some of the most OG footage at Lockwood. Yeah. Like, yeah. Joe, Joey's a homie. He's, he's yeah. dope, man. Super his, dope. I, I think his um, like younger brother or stepbrother used to work in my skate shop. Um, Joey's always been rad. Always looked up to him. Cause he, he just had like that cool lanky style. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, he had like super buttery. He was one of the first dudes I met in LA. Like when I started going to LA in like uh 92 like around that era he was one of the first dudes i met out there yeah yeah that's sick did you ever skate with paulo out there i didn't skate with paulo as much as i'd like to right um you know how skating in la is right you have Mm -hmm. all these different crews of dudes who skate together right so i grew up i met i met i started going to la through daniel castillo like so Mm -hmm. basically we are tight friends so yeah I met Culver him. City days, like outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time, my first, like, my, well, my first experience in LA was I went, first skate spot, first anything was I went to the ponds in Santa Monica. Okay. I was on Milk in 1991, and Rick Kostic took me to the ponds. And weren't, then, weren't uh, like the Carney brothers on Milk? You know what? They were, but I think they were on Milk a little after I was. Yeah. 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 They were. Yeah. Yeah. I was on right at the beginning with uh, Marcus Stroud and George Morales. Yep. Yeah. Guys are from LA. And obviously Ron Chapman and, and Christian was on too. That's rad. Yeah. We, we did a show with uh, Gino Perez and oh, uh, he, oh. he was talking about Ron Chapman. We were just shouting out Ron because Ron was dope. I just connected with him. I just started oh, really? him on Instagram. He's, he's talented. <sighs> guy's always been rad. Yeah, so that's so, so so you're hitting Lockwood. Um, what were you picking up when you were coming out to LA? Like what were the things that you were picking up and then taking home? Because I, I, I don't know if this is true with you, but for me, I would always go to like another city, another town and kind of pick something up. I would see a new style. And a lot of times it was fashion. You know, I'd be I'd go somewhere and be like, oh, I guess people are doing that with their shoes, you know. 
Well, being heavily influenced from great, good question. Yeah. Okay. So being heavily influenced from, from just skateboarding at that time in LA, I meant you picked up the way you laced your shoes instead of going mm-hmm. like outward, you'd go inward. Yeah. I meant, how can I say it? No, you'd go outward. Go, like inward. Yeah. I don't know. There's a certain way we'd lace the shoe. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Like, I have a feeling um, that I probably still lace my shoes that way. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then uh, the way we gripped our boards, like, you know how the world boards would come in like the square grip tapes. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and that was an era in the early 90s where even graphics weren't cool no more. So there was a period of like, you either spray painted your board one color or, mm-hmm. um, and then just put a sticker on it. So everything white mattered, like white tees. Um, yeah, dude, obviously. And then, even before that, yeah, even around maybe the same time of white tees, obviously, you know, retro shoes, right? Mm-hmm. The shell toes yeah. before even skate shoe companies were even around. The shell toes, the, um, the Pumas. Yeah. Um, Nike wasn't even really hard to get. The Dunks weren't even around. It was more like, it was more like the Pumas and the shell toes that you got at like the, thr- the, uh, the swap meets. Yeah. We, we used to go to the, the Vans outlet. Okay. I don't know if you used to go there. They had a, uh like whatever the classic like the the stripe on the side was the lows or something yeah i know exactly it was, did you it was like it? one for 15 and two for 25 yeah did you ever cut the front of it of course you have to cut the front you so you can stuff the sock in there how else were you going to get them to be puffy right and then or, you, the, or the double tongue yeah and then we also used to cut that part and then and then fold that it was a little thing that little techniques that we did to that yeah it's crazy huh? yeah it's it's funny how that works yeah yeah yeah. So do you think something's lost in translation with the Instagram culture that we have now, whereas before you kind of had to physically make your way to a spot and kind of see how things transpired and then take that information back home, whereas now you can just pull up the app and see what's happening all around the world? Like, do, do you think there's something lost in translation? Like, look, let's take it a step back. You and I both know about cutting the vans and we know exactly where to cut the vans. We know exactly how to lace the vans. And we knew why we, we did that. And yet you and I have never talked. I never ran into you and saw you do that with your shoes. Or I don't know anyone from your crew that did that. But yet you and I both know it. So yeah. there's something maybe a little more honest and maybe a little more underground or cool. There's like some kind of narrative, some story there that we know this thing where I'm like, what is the equivalent of that today? Well, you don't got to do it. Uh, what is the equivalent of that today? Um Like, did you ever take a new board and then instead of like the year, flip it over and kind of run it, rub it on the ground? Everybody does that. I like, think. Really hard. like, I don't know if kids still do that today. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Cause everything's kind of like, like you don't need to do that to your shoes nowadays because the shoes already come perfect. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that's yeah. what I'm kind of thinking. I think back then we were kind of creating the aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, we used to cut the hem off of our pants to try to get the perfect fray. I don't know if you guys okay. ever did that. <laughs> I remember really baggy fray. Yeah. You know, came Pumas, in. fat laces. Yeah. And then you obviously remember, I mean, even with the whole flannel game and, and, and button flannel hard, man, flannel hard store. Yeah. Thrift right stores. After, right after blind video came out with like Rudy and those guys wearing uh, even like, like golf shirts, right? Mm-hmm. 
that was mm-hmm. all thrift store stuff. What's what's funny is like even to this day, even though I'm a grown man now and I have enough money to go buy whatever clothes I want, for some reason in the back of my head, I'm like, always think about the thrift. I'm like, yeah, I should just go down thrift and get some button up so I could look like Rick Howard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think about like going to the store or going to Amazon. I'm thinking like, oh, where's the nearest thrift? You know? Exactly. For yeah, because sure. you're gonna find something that like no one else has. It's gonna be probably pretty cool. It's gonna have some weird funny story. You know, what's funny is I ran into a homie of mine the other day and I'm wearing this flannel. And he's like, dude, you're still wearing that same flannel. You've had that for 20 years. I was like, I know I got it at the thrift shop and you were with me. I got it for two bucks and this thing is still running, still looks tight. You know, it's like, you're not going to get that. And I feel like I, again, I kind of always take it back. I'm like, there's a lot of stuff that kind of gets lost in, in translation these days because you're like the average person isn't out there hunting and scouring for these little nuggets, you know? Yeah. And then even with uh, the ghetto wear, just okay, I think yeah. skate fashion was very military inspired back then too. Um, yeah. Utility pants, cargo pants, all that stuff, man, was back then. What, what would you say was like your favorite era of like dress style for, for you personally? Like when you, when you look back at your video parts and photos, you're like, ah, that was a good, like I, there was something there that was dialed. Like the, the pants fell perfect on the shoes. The shirt fell perfect on the pants. Like, you know, like there's those eras where sometimes you look back, you're like, yeah, that wasn't the greatest era, but that era was pretty damn good. That's a great question. I think for me, probably like, dude, I really liked the early nineties, like 93. Cause like, you know, back to the Vans era. Cause I remember a line that I had in love uh, in new world order where I was wearing, I don't know what kind of jeans I was wearing, but I remember uh, like when that time where it, within skateboarding, we used to wear sports shirts. Mm-hmm. I remember wearing like a Yankee shirt all the time. And I thought it was cool to be like, oh, this is not even a skate shirt or a blank shirt. These are sports. You remember like, yeah. like, we're like we, it was cool to start embracing sports, right? Yeah, that was kind of like the antithesis of, of the skate gear, right? Like kind of moving right. away from that and finding something weird. Yeah, And then I had a pair of Vans on. It's, I, I always remember it was the line that I did like in the, the board was blank. I might've had a Wu-Tang sticker on my board, like the original 36 chambers, like promo sticker. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, it was a line I did. I think I did a, a fakie flip off the courthouse uh, stairs and then switch heel and then switch front blunt. Um, but I remember that line. I remember, oh yeah, because it was the vans that you had to cut and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I like that era. We were. It's like young. It's innocent. It, it's you're 15. You're exploring. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. I always kind of like look back to the FTC finally era. There, like I always like the the vibe. You know, like Jerron had that part to Mary J and his like half cabs look. You know, like there was just like something there. Mike Carroll looked all dope. You know, with his backward hat and like you know. Yeah, that's 90. I remember when Jerron did that. That's uh, you, you actually had a trick in that FTC finally. I think it was like an only backside tail. Yeah, that was in 93 at Embarco. Yeah. It's funny that's how we remember these like things. In, I remember that, dude. I did like, uh, like in like three tries. Again, back to back to the pop. Because huh? that, that was the big ledge. Yeah, but that didn't even feel like a big ledge because <laughs> Chafee was already big. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But it was That's a true. big ledge, you know, so it wasn't like a big ledge for me. Yeah. Chafee was kind of like the breeding ground for a lot of like ledge skating. I mean, if you really get down to it, it was like Embarcadero, USC, Chafee. Yeah. I mean, you had Courthouse, but the ledges at Courthouse were really small. 
They're really small. It's Granted, the off. stage, unless you're skating the stage. Yeah. The courthouse ledges would throw me off. They were yeah. small. Yeah, it's like all the down to them in some yeah. like weird respect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who were like some of the unsung heroes from from Chafee that like you think deserve a shout out on this show? Because man, there was a, a lot of people put it down. A lot of people put it down out there. You know, I always felt Phelps was, I don't know if you remember Phelps sign is, he was on Rhythm. Um, I grew up skating with him, amazing skater. Um, dude, Marcus Stroud, he, mm-hmm. he, he was from LA. He moved out to the IE. He was great skater. Steve Allison, he was Chris Ortiz's brother. They were from like the Chino area. And then Ray Barbie, Ray, Ray actually moved from orange to, uh, well, he was from San Jose, then moved to orange and he lived in Corona. He would like definitely make an impact when he'd go and skate Chafee. What's one of the best lines you've, you've seen there? Oh, well, right off the top of my head, Mariano and Costin. Well, got yeah. one line where he just did the two tricks, switch backside five Oh, and then did the front side half cab nose grind. You remember that? Were you there for that? I was. And I'm tripping. <laughs> like, did he just really do that? It was just yeah, crazy. Everybody remembers that trick. I mean, yeah. that's, a that's, gnarly like, trick. that's one of those tricks that you have to know. That's one of those tricks that you'll never do in your life, except. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny in, in music. It's like, depending what genre you play, there's certain licks. They're like, you kind of got to know this lick. Yeah. It's just one of those things where you should probably know this song if you're going to play music. That trick with Mariano on that ledge, you got, it's like, you got to know that trick. Yeah. I can't got to know that line. You know, who had a, had a buttery line. There was, um, uh, Chinita. It was like oh. a heel flip over the ledge, a three flip, and then an Ollie heel flip over the other ledge. Yeah. That so was like, like boom, 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 boom. That was pretty sick. Yeah. Uh, and Costin, he did like so many things there. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember that one ledge where it's kind of, you go across the big step. He did a line where he did like the switchback tail all the way across over. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then what was that in? Was that goldfish? That was goldfish. Yeah, that was early, early to be doing that. Lines. Yes, those goldfish lines were yeah. good. Yeah, but he put it down like forever, right? I mean, his one on one parts were stupid. So stupid. good. So then, good. Yeah. Jeremy Ray? Jeremy Ray skated good. Dude, Jeremy was always so awesome. He was I don't think good. Jeremy got enough credit for his ledge game. You know who was buttery there? Who doesn't really, people don't really know, but like we know because he used to come skate a lot is Jerry Fowler. Oh, I love Jerry Fowler. He used to come and skate there quite often. Yeah, he was so good. He had such great side. He was kind of like an early Kenny Anderson type. Yeah. Could yeah. just do anything, looked great on the board, didn't really yeah. think about it. Um, yeah, there was just so many. And obviously, like, like we know JP skated there till yeah, sure. he came. Still skating there. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, 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 they took it down. chafee has gone. How, how long has it been gone? I thought I saw some, some footage like on the fringes of it. No, it, it's, it's it went, I think it's gone like five weeks ago, six weeks ago. Oh, really? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. wow. It's Damn, like close. Wow. What's funny, because you're, you're kind of like the unofficial official king of Chafee. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think- you have the tattoo? Where's the tattoo? I don't have the tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> was, was, was there a chafy click? Like, was, you know, Hollywood has like Hollywood high kids and everywhere had their like little crew. Yeah, like, called the IE click. It was right around like 95, 
96 when we were filming for well, I was filming for Mouse we had a, a pretty solid session of guys that used to come skate like all the time and then uh and then a lot of the guys from Orange County like uh, Gideon and James Craig and yeah Andy James Garcia, shout out James Craig I gotta get uh, James on Evan Shufflebine all those guys would come out mm. and skate and it was pretty sick yeah yeah you know I was always a big fan was uh Ryan Kenrich I remember seeing him skating there rest in peace yeah, yeah, rest in peace. Yeah. So good, man. Um, that's tight. So what would you say was like your favorite era of just all the video parts that you put together? Um, you know, I think Mouse was good. Cause Mouse was like Mouse was cool because I felt like it was not as technical as New World Order. I don't know mm-hmm. if it New World Order, it was like 93. Mm-hmm. We're all trying to like do a bunch of yeah. tricks, almost like a lot of flippage. Stuff where I felt like mouse was more of like, where I, I at least I felt was a little older in my skating. Right. So new old order, I was probably like 15 where mouse, I'm like 18 mm-hmm. and it's more like lines and it's more just more of like a, a consistent rolling. I don't mm-hmm. think I had that many like single clips in my part in mouse. It was almost like all lines. Yeah. Um, and it was just more like, Hey, that's how I skate. Like if you were to see me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like there was a lot more focus on lines back in the days. Uh-huh. I don't know if there's as much focus on lines. Um, there used to be like run on lines in, in those days. You see someone do five, six, seven tricks. It wasn't a thing. Now it's like you get your three trickers. Yeah. Three, you know, tri- three, three, tri- three trick lines, pre- you know, pretty good. Yeah. It's kind of like the standard. I remember Daniel LeBron in like an old uh, 401, I think did like a 20 trick line LeVar. Yeah. Right. King of like the long line. Yeah, yeah, I never did a long, long line. I just, because I feel like lines have to like have, boom, a, a real kind of dope first trick, mm-hmm. then like a background trick, or whatever, and then has to end with like either a banger, like yeah. kind of, you know? Even Costin used to do longer lines. Yeah. Costin used to hold down the long lines. Yeah. That's funny. Even just thinking about something like long lines, is, it just feels funny. Because you're like, you yeah. don't really hear people talk about <laughs> trick length you know yeah that's so, that's so funny um cool man so i want to transition a little bit here uh i always like to to ask this question of uh to, to everyone that comes on but but if you were to run into young richard all of 17 years old at chafee high what would you tell him in terms of in regards to Anything. Yeah, you're just skating you just hop the like fence open? you're cruising around you're waxing a ledge and you look up and you see a, a young richard Mulder, and you're like hey that's my younger self i should go over there and give him some advice or talk to him or skate on by that's such a funny question because i'm like looking at young richard he's kind of lost <laughs> kind of new to his faith um man that's a great question had a lot of fear. I don't know what I'd tell him actually. I'd have to think about that. Like that's yeah. actually I tell him a lot. I would tell him a lot. Yeah. You know, I think uh I would tell him to hurt and get school over with. No, I'm playing. <laughs> a lot. Like hindsight's 2020, right? It really is, man. Um, so I would tell him a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I, I know there's like younger kids that listen to the show and I, I know there's a lot of sage advice and wisdom that comes from living into your forties and, and beyond. You know? Yeah. 
for me, I would probably talk that kid's ear off. <laughs> yeah, just I like, think for me, just like I think I uh, I grew up with a lot of anxiety, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's obviously probably the way you're raised too, right? Like just totally. kind of um, how I, you know, where I grew up in South Montana, right? It kind of, it's kind of like, I would say it'd be like La Puente, but mm-hmm. also like truck stop more like raw right mm-hmm. it was very raw like underdeveloped part of the city um and then just i don't know i think um so a lot of anxiety rooted in like fears and uncertainties and then um you, you know kind of goes away when you're in that puberty stage in that you know that 17 year old invincible stage mm-hmm. and then it pops up in adulthood right so i think i would just maybe um I don't know. I would probably tell him like, Hey dude, be aware of your choices that you're going to make and or that you're making right now. Sure. Cause your choices, I mean, we, we all become a product of our choices. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't really think about that when you're young, right? Like when, you know, about your choices, how they're going to affect you or how they're not. But I mean, choices, I don't think you think about them at all. You don't think it at all, but they become like you and I would both agree probably now in our forties, like, it seems like that time had passed from being 17 till now was like a blink of an eye. Like here we are in our forties. It's like, wow. What do you you think would have um, happened or not happened if you thought about your choices at 17? If if you were cognizant as you are now and saying, well, you know, I should or shouldn't do those things. Do you think your life would have unfolded as it did? Do you think it would have ended up on chocolate and gone through all those things and had all those experiences if you're fully cognizant of every choice? That's a great question. I don't know. That's why I'd have to really process what I'd tell him about, right? Because like at the same time, it's like, do you now, like, I'm really happy, like not really happy, but yeah, I am happy of where I'm at in my life right now. And, and, um, I, who knows, right? Like, it's Mm -hmm. almost like, you know, there's a saying that I like to say, like God wastes nothing. Right. So, in a sense that even what might appear to be bad or challenging, it, it ended up working to, to shape me into who I'm becoming or I am today. Mm-hmm. Does, that, yeah. does that make sense? Makes total sense. Yeah. Makes total sense. Yeah. To, to some extent, like we learn, we can learn from our experiences. Yeah. We don't always learn from our experiences. Right. I mean, history has a tendency of repeating itself. So like experience you know. is not always the best teacher, but it can be right. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to misquote this. So someone can find out what the actual quote is, but it was like, you know, uh, you, whatever experience is the best teacher for those that choose to learn no other way. Right. It's like, we always take it half the way, but then we don't finish the the quote, which is like for those who will learn by no other way. Right. So it's like, yeah, you can look at, you know, those that came before you, and look at all the sacrifices and challenges. Like you can look at Christian Hosoi yeah. and say, whoa, don't want to go down that path. Right. Or you could just go live it for yourself and be like, yeah, I still end up at the same conclusion, which is like, I probably shouldn't have done that. And you might not be as lucky as him. You, might, you might not be, be as lucky as him. Or, you might be dead, right? You, and that's, he's been so, so thankful, dude. He only got to mm-hmm. do five years, right? And look at, yeah. you can tell how much he enjoys his freedom now. He's so yeah. stoked on life and, and skating, especially in the era that we grew up in. Yeah, man, it was, it was rugged. It was rough. You know, I mean, I'm sure it's still rough and rugged out there. I know it is, 
for kids that come from impoverished neighborhoods and don't really have a whole lot of resources and don't have parents in the house and all that grew up in gang neighborhoods. Those still yeah. exist. You know, we lived it. We grew up through a lot of that stuff and we're still here to tell the tale. I mean, how many sketchy situations did you live through? Right. Right. It was like one sketchy situation. It was just a chain of sketchy situations for years. And as skaters, we like sign up for that. We like willingly jump into that lake and are like, oh yeah, I'm going to go swimming in this one. You know, like drugs, gangs, violence, sex, like all these things are sketchy. We're just like, yeah, I'm gonna let it rip, you know, cause that's what skateboarding is all about. We go full throttle. And not only that, when most of our friends are like graduating and getting jobs, you know, living these quote unquote normal lives, we're still like in our late twenties doing this stuff. I mean, bro, I was like bombing graffiti way into like my mid thirties. Really? You know, all the crazy stuff that has gone on in my life, like full on with kids, married, because it was just like, it was part of how I grew up. Yeah. You know, I didn't really see anything wrong with it. And you would see hobos and all the crazy stuff that, that you see always putting yourself in danger, you know, for sure. But like, it's just kind of how we're wired as yeah. skateboarders, you know, for, for those that really like live the skate life. It's like, a, it's like they say, you can't play the blues until you've lived the blues. That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? Sure. Yeah. And, and we have this like badge of honor of like, how, like, how hardcore are you? How, and you see it all the time. It's like a lot of skaters get taken out of the game. They die, you know, they, they overdose. They yeah, for sure. go to jail. I mean, they have, we've seen it for years. Yeah. Going back to the choices, right? Like living as a skater is kind of, it's tough. And you, you like live the epitome of it, right? Being on like the freshest team, one of the freshest teams of all time at the peak of it. I mean, what was that like? Um, it's awesome, man. Like, it's funny, you know, I don't think, you know, when you're living it, you don't really think about it, right? And then you're like, it's kind of like even just, just even like with the Nike being on Nike, right? You don't, you don't really realize like, Oh, we're actually part of something that's meaningful. It's going to make a difference in the sneaker mm -hmm. game later. Mm -hmm. Same thing with chocolate, right? It's like, you know, we, we didn't really think about like what the impact those videos were going to be like now, right. Kind of in the moment living. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, I don't know if that's the best way I could describe it. It's, it's just, um, it just, it just felt like life. But now you look back and those moments are like some that we really celebrate and admire. Yeah. Yeah. It's a rad thing. It's a really cool thing to be part of this like little crazy skate universe and to for sure to make it at this stage. Um, you would you had touched on faith. So I don't you know, this interview wouldn't be complete if we didn't touch upon faith. When did you kind of come to your faith like what was that process like like how old were you I grew up in the church so for me it was it was a different process it's just something that was always there so I've always been very intrigued if people kind of come to it later in life yeah for me I think I, I came to faith like right in in the midst of being on like the raddest companies right so um I was you know 16 years old and for me I think you know I don't know. I think even as a young kid, you, you don't have to be a, a, a rocket scientist to realize, wow, there's something really wrong with this planet. Right. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the fears I remember, you know, growing up at like seven or eight and seeing like the night stalkers, like 
sketchy photo on the newspaper on the corner. I'm like, this is the murderer Richard Ramirez and like just freaking out like, oh, there's actually murderers on the earth that like to kill people. And yeah. like, you know, just like there's just something like, wow, something's wrong with the human race. Right. And then, you know, turn on TV and seeing like the Gulf War and all these wars. I grew up in a military family. So even being aware of like, oh, my uncle fought in Vietnam and my grandfather fought in World War II and my dad was in the Navy and my dad was in the Gulf War. And so being around like around men who like fight wars, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so people fight on earth, right? And then at the same time, uh, got into got into smoking weed right around uh, 15 and doing everything a teenager would do. And then at that same time, you know, you listen to hip hop and you hear people talk about, you know, you know, right now, you know, the, the famous the people are always talking about conspiracy theories, right? Where we were already talking about conspiracy theories, like in 2000 and 1994, that was part of like the culture too, right? There mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. underground culture. Yeah. yeah the hold a pale horse, right? Talking about, we were talking about the new world order mm-hmm. in 1993, where there's going to be one global order and, uh, you know, and even in that book, he talked about just how it was just uh, like this antichrist system. I didn't even really know what that meant. But those, my point is, there were all these seeds that really pointed to me and caused me to think like, wow, is there really a creator in the midst of this this chaotic world that were, or what mm-hmm. felt chaotic to me? And so then I went, my dad, he was in the military and he'd always have these little basically these pocket Bibles laying around the house, right? Um, they would give to, 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 uh, to those in military. And so I would kind of take this little pocket Bible, put it in my backpack along with my bong and my weed and my other set of shoes and an extra crispy shirt after I was done skating. And I would read through this Bible and I didn't really grow up in the church. I mean, my, my, my family was one that would go to church during like Christmas or Easter and mm-hmm. I would see like my grandfather actually did have a faith in God because like even the way my grandfather, like uh, he, in, in World War Two, he um, his he got captured by by the Japanese army. He was in the Dutch army in Indonesia. He got captured and basically he's on his way uh, to Japan as a prisoner of war. And, and um, the ship gets bombed and he's like in the middle of the ocean, like he's basically in the middle of the ocean, like treading water and uh he gets rescued but he he cried out to god like he said he cried out to god in the middle of the ocean saying god if you're real help me so he ended up getting um help someone came and he grabbed a net then he got he actually ended up being a prisoner of war in in nagasaki japan where they laid the atom bomb they dropped the atom bomb in nagasaki the americans did and um my grandfather was in the mines but my point is, like, he has a strong faith in God that he even survived that, he ended up having my dad. So I remember my grandfather, like, you know, like these little seeds of him praying growing up. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, as I'm starting to read this little Bible at the same time, in my mess, in my head, um, just questioning everything. Um, the thing that made Jesus different from me, because like at that same time, I was studying everything and I still do. I'll be honest, mm-hmm. like. Sure. What do the words of Buddha has to say? What are the words of, what are, who are the words of Confucius? Like, what is mm-hmm. Islam? Uh, what is, what are the, what are the tenets of Islam? Right. And, and um, everything I was seeking, I was searching, wanting to 
uh, to know like the spiritual side. And I, I think now I know the Bible says God put eternity in our heart. So that the DNA to seek out eternity is already in us. And so, but the thing that was crazy about Jesus for me, I think was that he, that when he actually died on the cross for my sins and that, at least that's what he said he did. And, um, and that really blew me away. And it was like, you know, C.S. Lewis says it best. It's like, man, this guy, he's either a liar, he's either a lunatic, or he actually was the son of God who came to die for the sins of the world and, and that I could have a relationship with him. So, yeah. So I, I pretty much, you know, asked Jesus like, Hey, I believe in you help me to figure out life basically. Right. And thank you for restoring a relationship with God. And, um, I like to say this, you know, salvation's a work of a moment when you ask him into your heart, but you know, maturity growing, growing in, in, in your faith is a work of a lifetime. And so I'm still growing, I'm still learning, but yeah, having faith, um, has really changed my life because everything that I do has, um, an eternal faith perspective, right? So it's not like I'm grinding even in my work or whatever. There's just a, you know, I could feel contentment. Right. Or I could be like, Hey, you know what? Yeah. The planet's broken, but everything's going to be okay. And and, and that's, that's a, in skateboard land, that's a very risky proposition stating your faith. Oh yeah. But I think that's also part of like, you know, skateboarding is truly punk rock. Right. I think, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's so funny though, but it's like, we're, we're, we already in our culture, grew up in our skaters. Like we will, like I was the kid that would wear the rap bone shirt like we were wearing skate stuff but skating stuff wasn't even popular you remember that like mm-hmm. you said you grew up in la puente i grew up in fontana like when being a skater was like whack i don't know if you remember when being a skater was whack. it right? wasn't cool until like a few years after i graduated high school right so we were so down for this thing because we had a passion about it so i think even sticking up for my faith having that boldness or at least believing to have it is was something I kind of learned from skating. Like he you know, right to me. Dave Carney, um, I don't remember what year it was, did an article on this guy, Arlo. I forgot his last name, but I think Arlo was his name. He was a professional rollerblader. <laughs> and in Big Brother, he did this whole thing. I think, I think he was even on the cover. I think they put him on the cover. So if, if I remember it correctly, it was, uh, who knows when it was, but he basically ran this whole article pro rollerblader in big brother skate mag and the story the slant on the story was that rollerblading was punk rock and rollerbladers were the uh the counterculture and skateboarders had somewhat become the jocks because they were looking down on the rollerbladers whereas forever skateboarders were looked down on right so it's funny because skateboarding has this tendency to feel like it is this counterculture and it is punk rock and it's hardcore and yada, yada, but it's really not. It's popular culture because there's nothing more popular than being cool. And what makes you cool doing the same thing that everybody else is doing, because that's what peer pressure causes. What really is true, truly punk rock is standing up for what you believe in and be like, no, this is me. Like I believe in this thing and it's going to be really unpopular but I'm punk rock. I mean, let's look at Dwayne Peters. Dwayne Peters. I was thinking do, the same thing right now. Dwayne would do that. Yeah. Dwayne would do that, right? Now, yeah. I don't know what Dwayne's belief systems are, but like it is more Dwayne Peters to be like, yeah, no, actually I believe in, in this thing. 
yeah. right? To take a stance, whatever your stance is, right? I'm not weighing in on anything, but right. The, the, it's just funny because people think that they're being counterculture when they're really being pop culture. And you're like, dude, you're just like literally everybody else because you don't have a, you're not thinking for yourself. You're just kind of going with the flow. Right. And I think, I think even back to skating, like there was like, what's kind of cool about, and I'm so thankful to be a part of the skateboard, even just the culture that we grew up in. It was like, it was about self-expression. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, and that's the one thing that's cool about my faith is like, I don't believe God came to take away uniqueness and, um, and originality away. I think actually we become more of our real selves when we have faith because mm-hmm. we really discover who we are. Right. And, and, and who, yeah, who, who we really are. So you could truly, truly express who you yeah. are. And, and, that, and that's, what's great about skateboarding is that you, you develop this muscle. Yeah. The, and the muscle is to look at the world in a different way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So everybody looks at handrails a different way than the rest of the world. We're like skaters just see the world differently. That's right. And therefore we see kind of everything differently. So it's curious when things become hyper homogenized and skaters all of a sudden start seeing the world the same way that the rest of the world sees it. And it feels like, I don't even know what this is anymore. Sometimes, sometimes I, I look in and I go, this doesn't feel like what it used to feel like. It feels very pop culture to me. And I'm, that's why I love like conversations like this. This to me is very gritty and raw and it kind of is very reminiscent of how we grew up. of just on the fringes doing things that are a little off the beaten path. Right. It's funny when you're talking right now, it's like, like I went into a skate shop, actually an awesome skate shop, but I went in there and I was like, oh, I could actually buy Dickies in the skate shop right now. <laughs> and I was like, and they're rad Dickies. I'm actually, am I wearing them right now? No, I'm not wearing them right now. But like, I have two pairs of them. They're like the skate Dickies, right? Or yeah. they're like, they have, they're, they're all 2021 with stretching them. They're mm-hmm. great fitting, but that's Dickies used to be. Dickies used to be okay. You're going to the swap oh, meet, man. right? You're going to the swap meet, and this these are only coming three colors, and this is what you're gonna get. And it was actually part of that experience. It was uh, the whole thing about it. It's like so when you're wearing the Dickies, it just it represents something more than just like, you know, than just going into the skate shop. So seeing these Dickies at the skate shop this recently, I was kind of bugged out about it. Like this doesn't feel right, even though it's amazing. The pants all done up and reformed. It just still doesn't feel feel right that like I'm ripping the kid off right now. Yeah. I'm ripping the kid off from going to the swap meet and digging and finding these. And does that make sense or am I tripping? No, no, it makes total sense. I'm trying to go f- full meta here. So Richard Mulder from the legendary chocolate crew walks into a skate shop and sees a pair of Dickies and is bugged out because he remembers the visceral feeling of going to the swap meet and everything that had to go along with buying a pair of Dickies. Right. Yet at the same time, there is very possibly a pro skateboarder who is looked up to and adored and walks into that same skate shop, buys that same pair of Dickies and walks out thinking, man, I'm on point. That was easy. And I think that's the art form that is being lost, right? That whole experience of there's just that whole I don't know how to explain it. That whole I know <laughs> the protocol of what was part of what you did, right? That yeah. made it. That was what made our era so special. 
And let's be honest, the Dickies were not great. I mean, they were great pants, but they were stiff. You had to like maybe wash them. You had to do something to those things. Wash them a few times to actually break them, and then they then they become amazing, right? But yeah, um, yeah. Whether it's Dickies or Ben Davis or even the Dickie jeans, remember? Mm -hmm. remember There was a there was a uh, time where me, Daywan, Daniel, we all had the Dickie Carpenter painter jeans. Yep, and it Um, had that little hook on the side. Yep, yep, yep. Mm -hmm. And we cut them and. And so, but again, we're talking, go to the swap meet and there's that whole being in that grittiness of where you're getting that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's like the sense of discovery that sometimes feels like lost. It's like, you know, record shopping. I was a DJ for 20 something years. I spent a large portion of my life digging for records and there was nothing more satisfying than finding that rare blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, cool. I got it. You know? like we would black out the label so other DJs couldn't see like what it was. And, you know, like there was a whole art form and culture that went along with those things. And sometimes I feel like that's lost in Instagram land, but there's really good things in Instagram. I mean, I discovered Tiago Lemos, but I think I said his last name, right? I mean, I would have never seen him if it was what, you know what I mean? Like you see such insane skateboarding. I mean, I I'm addicted because it's a 24 seven skate mag. It's like the best version like if I was 14 today and I had Instagram and I was a skateboarder, my mind would be blown. Blown away. Blown away. That's why it's progressing so fast and so good. Cause people are just like, like seeing it done and it's so easy. It's so accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who are some of the people that you're looking at right now that you're like, dude, that guy's insane. That guy's amazing. Who's out there. That's just on your radar. Oh man. There's so many good talented guys. I, I like, I meant I like Carlos Ribeiro. Oh, so buttery. Yeah, super good. Like, um, I love Grant Taylor. I love it all. I love the older guys. I think anyone who's up, I really enjoy Grant. He has like a lot of power and he reminds me of Grant reminds me of like what Heath was in our generation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Kurt Uh, Tart is a man. And then I mean, gosh, there's a lot of guys just doing it's getting so technical out there. But I, 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 I can't really think right now. And then, I mean, there's yeah, those are the only two I could think of. I mean, I think yeah. everyone's good. So I'd have to like, I could just name, I think every single skate, Louis, Louis Lopez, amazing. Um, who else? Let me, let me say a couple more guys. Um, Jamie Foy. Um Who's that one dude? That new dude? I'm. He's. I don't know if he's new. He's on. He's on Death Wish. Um. I'm so bad with names right now. He like heel flipped that street or kick flipped it. It's really. Oh yeah. Weird. Yeah. You know what I'm sorry, talking? De- sorry, Death Wish guy, but I know the clip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know the clip. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. Yeah. It's long hair. I know. We're, we're like we're at that age where we don't even we're know at that the age. Name, <laughs> I know. I know. I know his his face, but um. I appreciate it all. Hash, I yeah. really me out. I don't know this guy's name. Yeah. It, would you say that this is the best era of skateboarding he's ever seen? No, I think I'd like to think my, our era was the best. But, <laughs> um, I appreciate that response, by the way. Yeah. I, I, but yeah, in terms of what's, what's being pushed. Absolutely. But there was like, I think what made ours different was just, it was just more foundational. Mm-hmm. So, they clearly can't get to where they are today without what are it and what we sure. did. Yeah, right? building blocks. 
like like the things that Guy Mario and Eric and Dude, all those guys, man. I mean Gabriel, Gabriel put it down so hard. Rest in peace. So good. Gabriel put it down. I mean, you saw the uh LA boys. Dude, the best Gabriel was like the best. Yeah, the best. The best, yeah. So good. All right. Well, you've been a champ. I appreciate Thank your time. I know it's late. I want to keep you forever, but I want to wrap on one question. So if you could have coffee with one artist, dead or alive, who would it be and what would you ask them? Okay. So one artist, dead or alive. Um, let me think right now. Just give me one moment because I, I like a few artists. Dead or alive? Are we talking artists as in like, like any kind of art, any kind of art. It could be a musician, a painter, a skateboarder, a ballerina, you name it. You know, I think I would like probably like Beethoven or someone like that or Mozart. Cause that like, that's like super next level. It's almost like futuristic, right? Even though it was in the past, it's like you listen to like classical music and it's like, they are on some next, next, next. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think I would just kind of really, you really ask them like, dude, what, what's going on? Like, I'm <laughs> on that brain of yours. Like, cause it's really emotional, right? Like yeah. It's, yeah. it's powerful stuff. You're right. Like, it is very futuristic. Yeah. I never thought about how futuristic it is. It really is. Right. It's like, it's almost like, it's almost so ahead of its time, but it's in the past. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a great know. answer. I like that. Hey. All right. Any shout outs? I want to thank you for having me on here and just course, thank man. you. Thanks to everyone who's ever helped me and, and supported any in skateboarding. And um, yeah, it's just good to be here, man. Thanks a lot. You're the best. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you.